I'm Arthur. And I'm Susan. This is the Parent Talk Podcast. Managing the challenges of daily parenting. Thanks to our founding sponsor, Naturepedic, the nation's most trusted source of organic and healthy sleep products for your children. You can visit them at naturepedic.com. That's naturepedic.com. Welcome back to Parent Talk. Uh, We have a special episode today which is all about the whole challenge, really, of people connecting to a pediatrician and how to talk to your pediatrician, what it means to have a good relationship as a family with your kids' doctors. I think that if our listeners have been listening from the beginning, they know that I met you because you were my child's pediatrician and or my children's pediatrician, not just one of them. But I'm going to start with a story about your predecessor, the person that you actually bought the practice from. And of course, I stayed with you, which means that I must have liked your style. <laughs> um, and I still do. Uh, this was my, this is a child who is, um, this was many years ago. And I took my daughter for her two-year-old checkup. And um, I remember it just like it happened yesterday. And believe me, it wasn't. The doctor sat behind the desk, never even looked at the child except for to listen to heart and lungs and to do the, uh, you know, the, the little bit of an exam. He sat behind there and he asked me a list of five or six questions. Can she jump with two feet? You know, is she putting two words together? He never even looked up as I gave him the answers. And I remember that I couldn't answer. She was not a particularly physical child. She had walked late. So she couldn't, for instance, jump up with both feet off the ground. He didn't even say anything. He didn't say that's nothing to worry about. That is something to worry about. Luckily, because of my background, I knew it was nothing to worry about, that she she was going to eventually be able to jump off the ground with two feet. And I remember leaving there feeling sort of deflated. I thought he he didn't even make an effort to know this absolutely what I thought was an astounding two-year-old. I thought, I think I've had it with this practice. And it was a big practice with many doctors. So I found a doctor who was in a single practice. He had somebody who was always on call if he wasn't there. But I went to him and I'm going to tell you that the experience could not have been more different if I did it on two different planets. First first of all, he didn't really talk to me. He talked to my child. He didn't have to ask me, was she putting sentences together of X amount of words because he was having a conversation with her. In fact, I remember he said, come over here. And I started to get up and he said, oh no, mom, you stay there. He wanted to see how comfortable she was walking just across the room, you know, not going anywhere, but just how she could leave my side. He asked her to do a a lot of things and enjoyed playing with her. And at the end, I realized this is what a good pediatrician does. He gets to know the child. He doesn't sit behind a desk and just have a checklist. So that's when I switched pediatricians. And then happily, a few years later, when this lovely doctor retired, you became our kid's pediatrician. I tell you, Susan, we could possibly end the podcast there because that story contains all the elements to address this question, which is, how do you know you've got a good connection with your pediatrician? What should you be looking for? What ideally should be happening? And this is an issue I know that's very, very near to your heart and my heart. And I think one of the reasons why it matters so much is that even if your child's perfectly healthy, there's going to be scary moments when they have a fever or a symptom or a behavior that hits the alarm bell. They might be fine, but you don't know that they're fine. 
And as a pediatrician, I can tell you, I don't know that they're fine either when they first come to my attention. So when you have a problem, who do you first turn to when there's an issue around the health or behavior of your child? It's usually your pediatrician. And that puts the pediatrician-family relationship in the center of the family experience with the child. Not only that, the other thing that's a little different, I think, than most grown-ups experience with their own internist or, or doctor or specialist, is that this is a relationship that goes on for decades. Because if you like your pediatrician, you stay with them, you might be seeing her or him for 20 years or more. And you're going to be talking to them across the emergence of your child from the newborn state through childhood into adolescence. I mean, this is an extraordinary relationship. And the last thing you want to do is waste it on a situation where no one's even noticing that you have a child. You know, the other thing to say is that we live in a time of controversy. So you can't exist in the United States today without being hit by all sorts of questions, like the anti-vax movement raising questions about vaccines comes to mind. Politics and history have invaded the domain of thinking about healthy food for your child, what are healthy medical interventions, which ones are trustworthy, which ones aren't. And so how do you navigate all that? And I, I'd say the part of that has to be the relationship. And, and boy, your story really put it together because, you know, if I want to know if someone's walking, I can open up some sort of questionnaire that asks 10 questions about the walking. Or I could look over to the side while we're, while we're chatting and seeing the kid running around, and, you know, connect with that child. I'm going to get most of these answers that way. But if I do that in the setting of a conversation where it's person to person, life has become so, shall we say, commodified, you know, everything's turned into an assembly line sort of experience that we've lost track of what it's like to talk with each other. And I think that's something at the core of what I suggest is your first step when you're looking for a pediatrician is can you have a conversation with somebody? And your story really brought that whole point home so clearly. You know, when you're talking about the conversation, I'm remembering a conversation I had with a young parent. She was at a party that I was at, and she brought her two-year-old child with her. And we were talking about sleeping. And she said that her pediatrician said when the baby was about three months old, just put the baby in the crib, let her cry it out. It'll take a few nights, but then she'll sleep through the night. And the mother was incredibly uncomfortable with that advice. She did it. She fouled it, but she wasn't happy following it. She felt like she was torturing her child and it was torturing her. So we talked a little bit about that. And the thing that she couldn't have with this pediatrician was a conversation about, is there another way that I could do this? I mean, is this essential? Is my child not going to grow up healthy and well if I don't do this? Is there an alternative? And of course, we know that there are many alternatives. In fact, I would say that three months is even a slightly young <laughs> to let a baby cry it out. But there wasn't a, a way of her asking that question, apparently. So the first step you know, specifically in terms of recommendations on how to set this up for yourself is to have a conversation with the person you think might be your pediatrician. And we recommend that you actually interview two or three people. And a lot of things get accomplished in that. The first thing is you're going to talk to this person and you're going to find out whether they converse. It sounds a little silly, but even back then, when your now grown up child was only two years old, you could tell right away whether they were interested in having a conversation. So that's the first thing I think Go to several offices, certainly for a woman who's having her first baby, family having their first baby, do an interview for prenatal consultation. 
But if our listeners have a pediatrician and they're not getting from them what we hope your expectations are going to rise up to be after listening to this episode, we recommend actually first step being interviewing a few people. Now, the other thing will happen when you set up the interview is you'll find out if the office knows what you're talking about. Because if the office isn't interested in you having a conversation with a pediatrician, they'll let you know that too. They'll say, well, we don't do that. <laughs> we can't set up an appointment for you just to talk to someone. Or they might say, oh, yes, we welcome prospective families to talk with our pediatricians first. And that tells you whether the office supports conversations. We all know when the office feels welcoming and when it doesn't. Then the other thing we recommend is when you speak to the pediatrician, you ask her or him, what's the chance that when we call up to make an appointment or there's a question on the phone that we have an issue with, that we get to talk to you? Or how many people are in the mix? Is it just a few people who I'm going to get to know over the years? Or is it a big group of people who I don't know who I'm talking to each time? And we recommend that there be some way you can communicate with a person you know and trust. Now, it doesn't have to be necessarily in person. It could be virtual. We could use MyChart. MyChart's a wonderful product of the Epic Corporation, which now runs two-thirds of all medical charts in the United States. Wow. So you've got about two out of three chance if you talk to any pediatrician in the United States that they'll have MyChart ability to communicate. Because the other issue we want to talk about today is what that means to have trust in your doctor. It's not that strange an idea. It's sort of like having trust in a friend or a family member. Here's what's powerful in my experience after being a pediatrician all these years about trust. Because I've been in situations where I've known a family for many years and had to share news with them. And I'm not even talking about extreme medical urgencies. Let's take the example of the common cold, because for a healthy child, I have to say the most challenging visit I've had over the years is when a child has simply a cold. They're suffering. You know, when you have a cold, you are suffering. And the state of medicine, even in the 21st century, we don't really have much to offer when it comes to curing colds or ending the symptoms. And so when I turn to a parent and I say, your story and the exam conclusively prove that your child has a cold and no other complications. That's good news. Unfortunately, we don't have any medicines that will get rid of this cold. If I'm saying that all within the nest of a very deep and trusting relationship, it works. But if I don't know the person, they don't know me, I can tell you, Susan, it's just the most powerful thing. They look at me like, are you sure it's just a cold? They seem sicker than that. How do you know it's not something else? And when I say, well, the cold medicines don't really work, they'll say, well, everyone says they work. How come you're not saying that they work? You know, they question what's going on. And that's just for colds. Never mind really, you know, scary situations where there's a real problem. So in a busy world where we're just going through appointments through large medical centers, we lose sight of the power of trust. And that's where good conversations with the same person over and over is so important because then that trust is there when something happens. The family, I think, has a different experience than if they don't have trust in their doctor in that moment. You know, I'm thinking when you're going back to your interview with the pediatrician, which I think is essential, I'm thinking of what kind of questions should the parent be armed with and what kind of questions should they be asking the doctor when they're having this prenatal interview? You want to find out how the office works just as a basic. You know, how do you get in touch with a person? Again, what's the chance that if you call in, you're going to get in touch with the person you like that you know? Or if it's a small group that you'll get to know them, everyone in the small group well enough that you feel reassured that you'll connect with someone you know. I wouldn't recommend that you try to get the right question for everybody. You know, I wouldn't go to you know a list of questions everyone says are great questions. 
I try to talk to you and your partner about your child or child-to-be about things that you're worried about. And then you can use the internet and friends to come up with questions that get at those concerns that you have. So I recommend going into that conversation, that, that interview with the pediatrician with a set of questions that reveal to the doctor what your worries are, what you're scared about, what you're curious about, what you're bothered by. And then in, the, in that conversation, you're not just seeing if you can have a nice chat with the person, but how do they handle your concerns? In other words, do they listen? Do they really think that your concerns are worthy because they're your concerns? They're not sitting or thinking, well, that's sort of a ridiculous thing to think about. I wouldn't be worried about that. No, you don't want it, that response. You want someone who says, well, that's an interesting question, and I can see why that'd be important to you. And here's some thoughts I have. So the first thing is, do they take your concerns as important because they're your concerns? Secondly, do they have some information? Are they so programmed that they only have a stock answer, sort of like the form letter experience that people get sometimes in, in the mail? If someone's really listening, you're going to get an answer that you're going to feel as a parent, they took your idea seriously, and they have something interesting to say about it. So if you like the person and they're listening to what you say and you really feel like their concerns were addressed, that's a pretty good interview. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, Arthur, okay? Because this is a this is something that I know is on parents' minds. What if someone comes in and they say, I am determined to co-sleep with my baby. I don't want my baby to be separated from me. I'm breastfeeding. I want that baby close to me all night long. And I know that the American Pediatric Association has a stance. So I'm a mom and I'm coming in and I say, so how can you support me? Because I want to co-sleep with my baby. Wow, that's a really great question because that's a real challenge. <laughs> so I'll tell you what, a stock answer when I talked about like a, a forum thing would be, well, you know, uh, I understand uh, your concerns, Susan, but uh, I'm sorry, but the American Academy of Pediatrics has a very firm policy that says it's dangerous to do so. And I can't really talk about it except to say that we shouldn't do that. Now, that might be the answer you get from someone you're going to end up liking quite a bit. But if the other way would be a pediatrician who really does skew to that policy. And they can say, you know, a lot of parents ask me that question. And, you know, it turns out tonight about 80% of babies will be sleeping in the same bed as their parents around the world. So we're sort of swimming upstream here. But I don't want to ignore the danger signals being posted by the American Academy of Pediatrics. So let's think a minute about why is the AP sounding the alarm on this. What can we do to decrease the danger? And then you get into a substantive discussion about what's involved and what the alternatives are and how maybe we could find a path together that would fit your need to be close to the baby you love and yet not put them in any danger. That's a different discussion than the first one, which is, you know, our office policy goes with the AP policy. There's not much else to talk about. Then there's the third approach. I'm going to say the first one's not so good and the last one's not so good. <laughs> the last one would be, oh, to heck with the AP. You know, I don't follow any of that stuff. You know, people should do what they want. People have been sleeping their babies for a million years and you should be able to do so too. There's really nothing to talk about here. The first approach, which is the party line, and the last approach is to heck with, you know, throw caution to the wind. They do the same thing. They avoid a conversation. And I don't know how that conversation is going to go, actually, in that middle road. It may be that you stick to the AP policy. It may be that you bend it a little here or there. It may be that you find a way to have your baby pretty close to you in a, in a sleeper that's built for the baby next to your bed that makes you feel like you're co-sleeping, even though you're not risking the risks of co-sleeping. 
I don't know where that will lead, but that's the point. That's the point of the conversation is that there's some tension, there's some give and take, there's some learning back and forth. I think that question really gets at what we're after here in a good relationship with a pediatrician. It sounds to me like a, a parent might want to ask a question that will allow that give and take. Instead of a question that's either yes or no, a question that is more what we call in education open-ended so that you really can see how that pediatrician responds. I mean, you might be talking about co-sleeping when you have a new baby, but you're going to be talking about a hundred, a thousand different topics as your child grows. And you'd like to know that there is that give and take in that open-ended kind of conversation. And you don't know. It's unpredictable. I love that. That's the great word for it. You don't know where it's going to end up, but hopefully end up where both the pediatrician feels like I'm giving good, solid, safe medical advice. And the parent goes away feeling like, my pediatrician, listen to me. And this is a good compromise. I think this is going to work for our family. For sure. And there's two types of experts. And you'll know which type of expert you're dealing with when you talk to your pediatrician within a few minutes of talking with them. One is the expert who knows the answer to your question before they walk in the room because they spent years in training. They've read thousands of articles and hundreds of books. And the family's lucky to have their expertise. The second type of expert has no idea what the answer to the question is before they've walked in the room because the question hasn't been asked yet. And so that expert has read as many thousands of articles and read as many hundreds of books, but isn't just going to dump that on a family. They're going to actually be oriented towards what the family brings to them, and that will determine what information goes back to the family. You're looking for someone whose information is copious, is deep, but is oriented towards meeting the needs of the family as the family sees it. Well, what you're really saying, I think, is that it's never a one-size-fits-all. The first expert that you described, he or she has got the answer, and whatever the question is, they know exactly how they're going to respond because they respond the same to whatever the family situation is. The second expert has just as much information, but he's going to listen for those details that may not change the answer, but may change it a great deal. I think that that's what most parents out there are looking for, somebody that they can trust and go to and who listens to them, because this is not the same world. Raising children in 2023 is not as easy as it was in the 1960s or 70s. And partly it's because there's so much information that conflicts that they really need to have like a clearinghouse. They need to have a doctor that they can go to and say, do I swaddle or don't I swaddle? I hear swaddling is fantastic. I hear swaddling interferes with breastfeeding. And maybe there isn't an answer for that, but a conversation will help that parent come to their own decision. I have another question. Is it even possible that there's something that a pediatrician might say or do or something about the office that would say to a parent, uh-uh, this is not the practice, not the doctor for me? Well, you know, there's two things come to mind, Susan. One is just your own feel in the office. When you walk in, do you feel welcome? So something that would tell you this isn't the right fit is if the people at the front desk look at you like you're bothering them, like they're busy, <laughs> you know. Well, okay, what do you want? As opposed to, oh my gosh, it's so great to see you. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. And same thing with the doctor. So if you feel put off, I think that's a warning sign. The other is, I think it's important to use word of mouth. You know, you, you've got friends, maybe some of whom have seen various doctors in the community for many years. Some of them have stories to share with you about times of need, either for minor illnesses or situations or major illnesses situations. And if they tell you, gosh, this person just wasn't there for me, or we had trouble getting a hold of them, 
I think that's a warning sign for you to move on. So those are some things I think I would think about as well as what we talked about before about, you know, conversation, just setting your teeth on edge or not giving you the sense that you're getting a good interaction. Those would be the warning signs I'd use to move on. Yeah, I think you really narrowed that down. So hopefully parents can go out now armed with some good ideas and questions about when they're choosing a pediatrician. Yeah, I hope so too. I really hope this episode helped. It's something I care very deeply about. I know you do too, Susan. And I think we'll close out our episode with this tip for parenting from this podcast. That is briefly put, a great opportunity in parenting really is finding a trusted partner from the medical world to help you cut through the tangle of all the claims and counterclaims out there help you get answers to the most important questions your child and their life will raise. In short, someone you can talk to, trust, and get the most useful guidance from. Even in the age of infinite rumors on the internet, the rise of corporate medicine, you can do this. Great pediatricians are all over the country. Your time taken to find a great one for you will deliver years of value. Thanks again for listening to the Parent Talk Podcast. You can find back episodes and send us your parenting questions at parenttalkpodcast.com. And don't forget to visit our founding sponsor, Naturepedic, at naturepedic.com.